well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you are with us once again. So we're going to be talking today about uh, something that's going on in Washington, D.C. Not legislation, but regulation. Uh, USA Today is a, a big story today. Our gun advertisements in the FTC's crosshairs, the Federal Trade Commission's crosshairs, critics decry toxic messaging as firearm sales soar. Yeah. First of all, do you think that, uh, you know, again, the great gun run of 2020 that began in March of 2020, do you think that was a response to gun advertising? Because <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty sure that most of the new gun owners that we've seen over the past couple of years have probably never seen a gun advertisement. That's not what prompted them to go out and purchase a firearm. However, I also don't think the gun control lobby gives a damn about that. Uh, They're doing everything that they can to try to shut the industry down. uh, And that would include going after their advertising. So USA Today is this big story. They say that they've reviewed thousands of gun company magazine advertisements spanning decades, showing a gradual marketing shift from guns as tools for hunting to guns as necessities to protect your home and your family. The inflection point, the moment self-defense came to dominate, They say has been pegged by researchers to about 2011, two years after President Barack Obama took office with a platform that included gun control. The shift, they say, is driving efforts to slow a different trend. Annual gun sales peaked during the coronavirus pandemic with more than 21 and a half million firearms sold in 2020. Another 19 million sold last year, the highest ever recorded. Okay, so so first of all, let's let's cut through the hyperbole here. We are talking about a gradual shift that USA Today has identified in terms of how firearms are marketed, right? Going back to, and really, uh, going back to the 1960s, as we'll get into. Um, This isn't some shocking new development here, right? I guess the shocking new development, for the gun control lobby anyway, is the fact that we've had millions of Americans embrace their Second Amendment rights for the very first time in their lives over the past couple of years, and they hate that because that means they're failing because their goal is to make it so that it's impossible. A, it's impossible to exercise your right to keep arms, but B, nobody wants to, right? They're not just fighting legislatively. They're not just fighting in terms of regulation or in terms of litigation. They are fighting a culture war. And they want the right to keep and bear arms to be seen as an unquestionable wrong in American society. So one of the arguments that they're making here with the Federal Trade Commission, this new complaint that uh, they have filed, is that, uh, quote, owning a gun doesn't make your home safer. And that's a case for false advertising, that uh, marketing offensive, quote, tactical operations with military-grade weapons constitutes unlawful use of the product. And as USA Today writes, just as Joe Camel and the Marlboro Man became flashpoints for a crackdown on cigarette ads in the 1990s, a handful of images are dominating the national debate, among them a series of ads from Remington about a combat AR-style rifle for the, quote, infinite number of extreme scenarios that you'll face in the world of law enforcement or personal defense. Which doesn't sound anything at all like Joe Campbell or the Marlboro Man to me, quite honestly. Again, if you're talking about firearms being used in self-defense or for law enforcement. I mean, again, this is such a stretch. We don't have 
a Joe Camel in, in the gun industry, right? There's no uh, Sammy the Sig Sour Snake. No, there's there's nothing like that, right? There's not uh, Remy the Remington Rabbit. You don't. There are no cartoon figures out there selling guns. Uh, there are also, by the way, uh, no, you know, promotions where you sign up like you could do back in the 1990s. You know, I'm going to sign up for my Camel Bucks and I'm going to be able to buy, you know, Joe Camel branded merchandise. Again, it's not out there. But the gun industry really wants, excuse me, the, the gun control lobby <clears throat> really wants to make the gun industry the tobacco industry of the 2020s. They want to portray the firearms industry as this, uh, you know, group of executives who are cold and uncaring, don't give a damn about the consequences of their uh, products that they put out there on the streets. Uh, they're encouraging people to buy up guns willy nilly. Uh, again, we are talking about the exercise of a constitutional protected right here as well. Right. But again, not that the gun control lobby cares about that. Uh, USA spoke with uh, Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the trade industry that represents the gun industry he said to quote the allegations that the advertising is deceitful because they think the research shows that you're more likely to be harmed by a firearm. Well, millions of Americans don't agree with that. These groups don't like the advertising. They don't like the product and they project their own biases onto the ads that they see. You said today noted that uh, the NSSF has filed its own letter with the Federal Trade Commission last month responding to this petition, which said the commission must, quote, zealously guard its independence from being drawn into ideological crusades by deep pocketed special interests. Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty good way of putting it. Now, what I found really interesting is that uh, USA Today, they worked with the Violence Policy Center. I don't believe that they worked with the trace on this particular ad. But uh, the Violence Policy Center apparently has a collection of American Rifleman magazines uh, that go back, I guess, over 100 years. Uh, and so USA Today went through all of these uh, old issues of American Rifleman uh, to, to find out, you know, how advertising in the NRA's uh, journal had changed over the decades. This is what they found. Uh, remember, they said earlier that the flashpoint, right, was 2011. That's when, boop, the, 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 the switch got flipped, and all of a sudden, people weren't talking about hunting more. They are talking mostly about self-defense. So USA Today says, when ads touched on defense in American Rifleman, the early focus was military defense against America's foreign enemies, not self-defense against criminals and intruders. In one April 1923 issue, DuPont advertised gunpowder by reminding people of the Battle of the Alamo and how their company, established in 1802, helped blaze the trail of freedom. For 121 years. Now, by the way, simply using the word freedom is problematic for these gun control activists, right? That that that's code apparently for uh, anti-government thought. Uh, so they would have a problem, I guess, with that Dupont ad from uh, 1923. Anyway, uh, by the late 1960s, however, USA writes change was afoot. A September 1967 issue featured an article by John E. Osborne, a former U.S. Secret Service agent and lifetime NRA member entitled Guns, Crime, and Self-Defense. Now, note, by the way, we've gone from talking about advertising to talking about articles, right? Which is not the same thing, but whatever. Uh, in this article, Osborne argued that, quote, murders, kidnappings, rapes, holdups, and other crimes of violence would be dramatically reduced if the law-abiding citizenry were permitted to keep and bear arms for defense. Yeah, he's right. Now, also keep in mind, this was 1967. Violent crime was increasing. Violent crime started going up pretty low 
uh, levels of violent crime in the early 1960s. Really from, if you look at a graph, and I wish that I had thought to, to uh, uh, try to find a, a copy of a, a graph of what the violent crime rates in the United States have looked like over the past, say, 100 years or so. But if you look at a graph, what it shows is that violent crime is pretty low in the 1910s, started increasing during the 1920s, during Prohibition, started decreasing in the mid-1930s after the repeal of Prohibition and in the midst of the Great Depression, and was pretty low throughout the remainder of the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, and early 1960s. And then around 1963, 1964, violent crime started going up again. And it really started going up. And also keep in mind, you know, you've got the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 1963. You've got the assassination of Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy in uh, 1968. You have the passage of the Gun Control Act in 1968, which put a whole new spin on the, and, and really, I, I wouldn't even say reinvigorated, really kicked off the modern gun control debate. Now, violent crime did not decrease after the passage of the Gun Control Act in 1968. It continued to increase until around 1991 or so when we started to see violent crime rates decline. And then from 1991 until 2020, we saw almost three decades of steady declines in violent crime to the point that in 2019, violent crime was at or near 60-year lows in the United States. Then the pandemic hit. You had uh, court closures. You had uh, jails emptied out because we didn't want to have COVID, uh, you know, being uh, passed around behind bars. Um, again, the court system was put to a uh, almost a screeching halt for several months, which led to a backlog in cases. Then you have the riots in the summer of 2020. You had the pullback by police, uh, sort of a perfect storm of violent crime, right? And alongside that, you had the great gun run, what I call the great gun run of 2020, the massive number of Americans deciding, you know what, things are getting kind of scary out there. I would like a firearm for protection. And it's that attitude that the gun control lobby is really trying to combat. They hate it when somebody says, man, the world's looking scary out there. I want to be able to protect myself. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a gun. That's what they hate. Now, I would say that that's not related directly to anyone uh, advertisement in the firearms industry or even uh, the industry's advertising uh, altogether. That that is an innate human response. And again, I would venture a guess that the vast majority of new gun owners over the past couple of years purchased a gun without ever having seen a gun ad. But what, is, what else is interesting about this uh, recent complaint, USA Today points out, this is not the first time that the gun control lobby has filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. Back in the 1990s, they say, when Beretta began advertising in Ladies Home Journal, gun violence researchers started to take notice. The spots, the paper writes, featured an unsecured loaded pistol on a bedside table and instructed consumers to, quote, tip the odds in your favor and to think of a gun as homeowner's insurance. That led the Center to Prevent Handgun Violence, the precursor to Brady, to file its first petition with the FTC in February of 1996. Joined by children's health groups and pediatricians, the gun control group argued that the ads suggesting you're safer with a gun were unfair and misleading. Again, the same argument that they're making today. So what happened in the 1990s with that Federal Trade Commission complaint? Nothing. The FTC did not act. Today, three of the five FTC commissioners are Democrats, which I think at least slightly ups the odds that the FTC will respond 
to these complaints. But the gun control lobby is not stopping there. They are looking at legislation as well. Yesterday talks about uh, Congressman Tom Malinowski, who has filed a legislation or filed a bill that, uh, quote, directs the FTC to investigate gun ads and specifically consider any that market to children. Shades of this California law that's being challenged. Uh, any ads that, quote, encourage the illegal use of the product or promote, quote, semi-automatic assault weapons with fines of up to $46,517 for knowingly violating the rules. Now, obviously, there are some First Amendment issues, but the most glaring one would be if you can't advertise the sale of a legal product, how, how are these companies supposed to let, you know, even repeat customers know that this product is available for sale? You can't simply say, yeah, 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 you can sell this product. Oh, it's protected by the Constitution, but uh, no, you can't advertise it. Now, Malinowski uh, told USA Today that, uh, quote, there's not a perfect solution. And we're a country with freedom of speech. And I'm a big believer in that. Oh, yeah, I bet you are. But I do think he says that a combination of appropriate regulation and public shaming can go a long way to address this problem. Yeah, and there we get back to the idea that it's not just about shaming the firearms industry for their advertising. It's about shaming Americans for exercising their right to keep and bear arms, right? Shaming the gun companies, it's not going to be enough. I mean, obviously, look, and, and they know that as well. They're trying to file, you know, junk lawsuits against the gun makers. They're trying to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act to make it easier to do so. It's not just about naming and shaming, although that is certainly a part of their agenda. But again, this goes beyond the industry and gets into shaming gun owners and all those, again, who would think to themselves as violent crime is getting worse in their communities, I want to be able to protect myself and my loved ones. It's about making those individuals, particularly those who have not yet purchased a firearm, feel ashamed about wanting a gun for self-defense. They are trying to actively persuade individuals not to exercise their constitutional right to keep and bear arms. And I got to tell you, I just I find that fundamentally un-American to try to inhibit individuals from being able to uh, get enjoy every right that we possess as American citizens. I, I think that is just uh, a very disturbing ideology, which frankly is one of the reasons why I'm not, nor will ever be, a gun control activist. All right, let's turn our attention. Speaking of, you know, armed self-defense, since uh, gun control advocates say it never happens and you shouldn't even talk about it, shouldn't even imply that owning a gun could actually lead to you being able to protect yourself because that's just false advertising. Well, let's get to some uh, armed citizen stories, at least one armed citizen story, along with our uh, good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Uh, let's start there, actually. This headline, prosecutors, a danger which is the guy's nickname, shot man in head, quote, without provocation or warning, Jose Espinoza Aguilar, had just been released from prison in Washington State in May for another shooting. And he now faces charges of first-degree assault. This is from uh, Everett, Washington. Uh, by the way, you know, Washington State, all kinds of gun control laws, right? Got an anti-gun attorney general there, Bob Ferguson who is, uh, was successful in passing a, uh, a magazine ban after years of trying 
Uh, earlier this year, the Washington State Legislature did pass a ban on magazines and doing all kinds of things to uh, try to impose criminal liability on legal gun owners, uh, storage mandates, things of that nature. What happens if you're a violent criminal? Not much. Uh, the Herald newspaper in Everett, Washington, says two months after his release from a prison for, for shooting a woman in the back, a man nicknamed Danger has been charged with first-degree assault for shooting a stranger in the head. Why, why, why not attempted murder? He shot him in the head. It is at least the third time that Jose Espinosa Aguilar has been accused of shooting someone. One of them was fatal. His most recent incident occurred back on July the 3rd, when Aguilar allegedly shot a man at point-blank range, quote, without provocation or warning at an apartment complex. The wounded man lost his eyesight, suffered significant memory loss, other cognitive problems. He is alive, but he's not alive and well. Police reviewed security footage from the apartment complex. They identified Espinosa Aguilar as the suspected shooter, and two weeks later, they found him in the driver's seat of a car registered to his mom. He uh, tried to flee, crashed head-on into a police car. He and a uh, passenger were both detained. Passenger reportedly told police that uh, Espinosa Aguilar always carried a gun. Uh, when they searched the car that uh, he was driving, they found 25 grams of methamphetamine, 712 counterfeit fentanyl pills, as well as a uh, 9 Millimeter handgun. Court records show that Espinosa Aguilar has at least 24 prior arrest warrants in Washington State. 2015, he claimed self-defense when he shot a man to death. He pleaded guilty in 2018 to second-degree assault for shooting a woman in the back at a park. He was sentenced in 2018 to five years in prison for that shooting. Uh, he was released in May but remained on probation through the uh, State Department of Correction. At an arraignment hearing uh, yesterday, Judge Karen Moore uh, maintained Espinosa Aguilar's bail at $1 million. He is uh, currently in custody of the Snohomish County Jail. If he's found guilty on first-degree assault charges, he's now facing between 13 and a half to 18 years in prison. does kind of make you wonder, though, why such a short sentence five years ago for shooting a woman in the back uh, clearly not enough time if uh, Espinosa Aguilar is now accused of another shooting again just months after he was released from behind bars. Uh, today's armed citizen story from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where a mother of two shot an alleged intruder. She says uh, in self-defense. Uh, this from uh, WTMJ in Milwaukee. The uh, mom is asked not to be identified, but she is talking to police uh, and the media. She says that she was in the shower when she heard her two children, aged 12 and 14, screaming from the living room on Monday morning. So she said she ran to her bedroom, grabbed her gun, ran into the hallway, and came face-to-face with a stranger in her home. She said it all happened so fast, it was an adrenaline rush. She said the man was already being attacked by her two pit bulls, but she shot him multiple times because he would not stop coming. A uh, neighbor called mom a hero the uh, mother says the intruder appeared to be in his late 30s was acting erratically milwaukee police uh, have not uh, identified the man originally they arrested this mom for shooting this intruder in her home but they did release her after several hours of questioning uh, police say that the incident is going to be referred to the da's office uh, mom says the uh, children are frightened they say they plan to move out once they're able to find a new home a neighbor and a community activist helped clean up the crime scene after uh, authorities removed the body of the intruder. Uh, the mother says she bought the gun 10 years ago after discovering a man sleeping under her son's bed. She said that she hoped she would never have to use it. She says, I knew I'd be able to do it to protect my kids. That didn't mean that she would want to do it. So 
again, we'll see what happens with this uh, story. It sure does sound at this point like a case of self-defense. The fact that uh, she was released after a couple of hours of questioning uh, at least points that uh, the preliminary investigation is not pointing towards an act of intentional homicide. We'll keep our eyes open for uh, any details. But, you know, Milwaukee is one of those cities where violent crime has gotten a lot worse over the past couple of years. So far, we have not started to see a downward trend start. Uh, And this woman, again, a decade ago, decided to purchase a firearm, not because of some gun ad, but because of a stranger under her son's bed. And for a decade, she never had to use that firearm. Never wanted to use that firearm. I guarantee you she did not wake up that morning and thought as she was stepping in the shower, I hope today's the day I get to use my gun and self-defense in my home. I guarantee that didn't happen. You know, I have a fire extinguisher in my kitchen. I never walk around the house thinking, oh, today's the day Miss E sets the dinner on fire so we get to see how that puppy works. Mm-mm. Nope. You know, it, again, this is something that gun owners know. I'd like to think that even most non-gun owners know. But the gun control lobby does have a tendency to portray every gun owner as just somebody who's just itching. To become the victim of a violent crime, itching to have their life threatened so they can use their gun. It's not the case. It's not why we buy firearms. In fact, I buy a, the gun that I carry every day. I carry in the hopes that I never have to use it. But God forbid I'm ever in a situation where I need a firearm to protect myself or to protect my family or to even protect the people around me, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to be unarmed and defenseless in that situation. Now, today's uh, good deed of the day, Danville, Indiana, where a uh, stranger, a, uh, a local paramedic apparently, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to rescue three teenagers from a very serious car wreck. This was a Saturday morning. Uh, Connor Burris along with uh, his girlfriend, Allie Dunn, and one of their other friends, were on their way to volunteer at an animal sanctuary. They got into an accident. Connor Burris said it was terrifying. I can't even describe how afraid I was there. Uh, The SUV that they were in flipped several times. And almost immediately, they say, a stranger who happened to be driving by stopped to help. Uh, Connor Burris says that the stranger was a paramedic, supposedly on his way to work. He was able to pull Connor out of the back window, pulled uh, Allie, Dunn and her friend out of the uh, sunroof of the SUV. Uh, Kevin Dunn, who is Allie's dad, says he was right there when it happened. Immediately pulled over when it happened, jumped onto the SUV. The SUV actually rolled down into a ravine. And uh, the teens say that if he had not been driving by when the accident happened, it's likely that people would have had a very hard time even seeing the SUV where it was. Uh, Michelle Burris, who's Connor's mom, says the thing was just God watching over the kids and perfect timing. Uh, Connor Burris was the most severely injured. He was in the hospital for a couple of days with a concussion, fractures in his hand and foot, uh, open wounds on his other arm. But he said, I'm incredibly grateful. It could have been so much worse. Allie Dunn and her dad actually met the paramedic at the hospital right after the crash. But they say it was so chaotic that nobody else had a chance to say thank you. They never got his name. Uh, Michelle Burris says he was just our savior 
our angel that it didn't even know was going to be there that day. So they are reaching out to local fire stations in the area and hospitals, just trying to figure out who this passerby was so they can thank him in person. I, uh, I hope that they are successful in their search. I have a feeling it shouldn't be too hard to find that paramedic who's in the right place at the right time and, again, willing and able to do the right thing. But I hope that they're able to thank that uh, Good Samaritan in person. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Gosh, it'd be a real shame if uh, this program inspired somebody to go out and buy a firearm for self-defense, wouldn't it? I know we don't have any you know, crazy advertising here or anything like that, but uh, you've got my endorsement. Yeah. Exercise your right to keep and bear arms. I think it's the right thing to do. It definitely, uh, definitely will make the gun control lobby have a bad day. Now, we'll be back on Monday with more of the latest information on your right to keep and bear arms. But I would encourage you to check out bearingarms.com. In the meantime, we will uh, keep you updated there as well. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And uh, we will give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else. As always, saying thanks for showing your support. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.